The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a compliment to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week my guest is my dear friend, Michael Phillips, and we're talking about his grief over losing his friend Susan and also about what we're doing as a civilization to our species and our planet. I connected with Michael at my home over tea and cookies here in Victoria, B.C. How are you feeling? How am I feeling? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm okay. I'm, how am I, you don't want a discursive, that's not a question you want a discursion, a discursive response to. Just mm. I'm putting me at my ease. Mm. Is that right? Something like that. No, I guess what I'm picking up on is there's like a tenderness or a something today. Yes, so that's been going on for some time. Mm-hmm. But you probably don't want to divert to that. I'm, <clears throat> I'm deeply uh, grieving a friend who is dying. And uh, I haven't been there before. You know, I've had friends die before. And, of course, all my, all my, uh, my parents and their and their and their uh, their year, their their generation is all dead, uh, and uh, that was different. That was different. Dying of those people was different from a dear friend who is not ready to go, has been clobbered, clobbered by cancer, and is dying. And uh, I keep worrying. I keep not worrying about. It. I keep grieving it. Mm-hmm. I keep grieving it. And that has awakened other grievings, particularly the grieving for my species. I'm really, really sorry about our species. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a failure. I don't think it's going to survive more, much longer, mm. a few hundred years. But they're destroying their own habitat. We are destroying our own habitat, and I think it's that we are doing. Our habitat is part of what I grieve over, and. Because of Susan's dying and and some of the things that she's leaving undone, I've been. Uh, I think I think I've been coupling that to the to the overall grief that I know. Do you think that as a species, it's too early for us to go in the same way that it is for Susan? Well, sure. I mean, we'll be one of the shortest term so-called dominant species that the planet has ever seen. We've already killed off more relations than any other ever did and uh, and the disaster that we're creating is worse than any other disaster that's ever happened the the, the uh, planetary interplanetary rock that did in the uh, the uh, dinosaurs. dinosaurs was was really nothing not not up to what we're up to well maybe well, there's a there was another previous uh, disaster that that took away I think ninety five percent of living living creatures living living life forms 
And I don't think we're going to do that. I think I don't think we. I think I don't think we'll last that long. I think we'll do ourselves in before before the ants and the cockroaches disappear. So is that the source of grief that we're doing it to ourselves? Because I I mean my understanding of life is that it dies, and so the same. I would guess would apply to a culture or a civilization is that everything, you know, it's the creation destruction cycle. So do you think that it, what's sad about it is that we're doing it to ourselves? I think that, yeah, that, that, that we're doing it to everybody else too. Mm. That's uh, like all the other species, all the, yeah, all our relations, Mm -hmm. but Mostly because I just love human consciousness. It's just the nicest thing that's ever happened to me, <laughs> right? And the fact that that it isn't survival, it isn't survival, you know, stuff. It's not the stuff of survival. Obviously, we're just when the way our population grows and the way we kill each other and all that stuff is <clears throat> seems to me to be like like the little rodents that run over the run off the cliff mm. you know periodically <laughs> little lemmings yeah yeah that's what we're doing i wonder about though whether mankind being an animal has just reached its upper limit towards consciousness and so the the striving towards consciousness ultimately would you know i i, I do you believe that it's possible that it leads towards transcendence of these issues, or do you do you think maybe that consciousness just can't fit in the human animal at, after a certain level because the responsibilities of that lead us to distraction? No, I think I think uh, I don't know. I, I don't know any. I don't know the answers to any of those things ex- except that you asked us what I think. <laughs> I I think probably that <clears throat> that the wonders and beauties of human consciousness, the ones that, that, that so so uh, please me are uh, peculiar to our species and our and every species has things that are peculiar to it that are just fine right it's not you know we but we do tend to brag about it an awful lot we think we're the top of the heap and that we're you know we're really special and i don't believe that i don't believe that we're really special but i do believe that the that the things that we've learned about consciousness and 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 our brains and so on is pretty it's pretty nice. It's pretty good. I, I, it probably is the case that no living being on this planet, in, uh, in since the life that we, as we know it had begun, has uh, achieved some of the things that we've done. But a great many of our achievements are horrible. You know, our our mechanical civilization. Our, you know, all this great industrial stuff is just horrible. Right, mm-hmm. and I can't help noticing that all the time. And also, I can't help liking it all the time. I really like, you know, streets and and libraries and music and all the other stuff that we've got. <clears throat> so that's that's I think that's more of the grief that gets me is that is that we've we've got these two two different kinds of things happening in us all the time, and we and we're those are the things that we think we're winning with. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're not. We're losing with them, and we're doing doing everybody else in too. So, how do you grieve civilization when you're grieving in those huge themes? How do you do that? How? 
<laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> not on purpose. I can't tell you. I guess I guess this was Susan coming into her last year, her last months, you know, being wiped out by this awful um, thing that's just natural to her body. I mean, it really, you know, one doesn't want to think about that. One doesn't want to believe it. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not the same thing as saying, you know, life is is defined by death, which of course is true, and we know that, and we know it over and over and over again, but we know it as a as an idea. But Susan doesn't deserve it, right? Susan is is sixty five, and she's got you know she's just retired, and she's oh, it's so bad, and I'm not going to be able to say goodbye to her. Well, I did say goodbye to her, but it's not the same, right? It's not like it's not like we're living in the same community and and seeing 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 each other through, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing one another through. So it's it's isolation from something that is so important. Mm -hmm. So you don't live in the same community, and it's hard to get to see her. Yeah. But I think what you just said about seeing each other through is such a poetic way to, to describe our strong desire to witness each other, and so. What do you find comforting in that notion of seeing somebody through? How is that better or more comforting? I don't know that it is. I think probably, well, I don't know. I imagine from stories that I've heard that other people who have <coughs> had prolonged uh, death and old age and so on, that, that one can find resolutions to, to all kinds of incomplete connections um, and that that's very satisfying. And that when I remember a f a f when a, f a friend came back from his wife's uh, death, came back, came, came through the community and spoke about what a good death it was and and said and he after talking all for a long time about how all the rest of the family got there and how they how they went through their step, steps and stages and 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 you know it all was organized and then she decided it was time to go and uh, and he and he says you, you want to see the pictures he had this great wad of snapshots of all the, the family meetings and their, their conversations and all that stuff Quite beautiful, and he was very happy about their de about her dying, but not about her being dead, of course. Mm -hmm. and that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. I but saw my friend Peter. Um, you know, well, it was in the in the fall. Uh, he was my high school English teacher and also my rowing coach. Uh -huh. And he died also of a terrible cancer, totally in his prime, in, in his yeah. 50s, and yeah. wonderful teacher. Yeah. There were actually over 400 people who came to visit him in the hospital um, as he was dying. He was just so beloved and such a, had carried such a vital life force energy. And many of his dear teachers, he told me, were Thai Buddhists. Mm -hmm. And so he'd had some examples or teachings that helped him 
through this time. And I think all agreed that he really showed everybody how to die well. And the quote he kept saying uh, that was helpful for him was, for the well-organized mind, death is just another adventure. (laughs) And it was quite something to sit with somebody who was in the process of organizing their thoughts and was able to still be so lucid and not succumb to whatever else comes, fear, anger, those things. How old are you now? Hmm? How old are you, Michael? 82. You're 82. What's the quality you value most in your friends, Michael? Hmm? What's the quality you value most in your friends? Is that plural or singular? Hmm. Well, let's say Susan, and then in general. We create a substance between ourselves. Mm. among ourselves. We create a substance. We call it our marriage. We call it our friendship. We call it our meeting. The substance is not us. Uh, and it's it's not visible, but it is tangible. Mm. It's tangible to a loving heart. And that's, uh, that's you know, those are not always that uh, plentiful. They're not around all the place. There's a lot of places where a lot of times when we don't have that connection, you know, at home we do usually with our family. I mean, we can be mad at each other and, you know, all that stuff. But that substance is there and it's, it comes to mind and it comes, to, it comes into, into view lots of times, you know, very, very frequently, you know, every few minutes sometimes, <laughs> right? And that's uh, that's what she's not going to get the rest of. But she's got it now, you know. So, where were we? Where have you, where have you gotten me to? That was just a portion of the conversation that I had with Michael, and I'll be sharing more of it in upcoming episodes. In this show, Michael talked about the meeting, and he's referring to the Quaker Meeting House, which is where I met him. If you're curious about Quakers, you can find more information on my website, carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Just click the link for the podcast tab and you'll find some links there. I really want to thank Michael for being on the show. Thank you so much for sharing the time with me. And this is really an episode where you never know who needs to hear it right now, so please share the show far and wide. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can go to my website, carmenspaniola.com, and click the link for the Numinous School, my online intuition development course. While you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download, and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time. Take care. Thank you.